You're listening to Once a Raider, Always a Raider on the Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT the Brick. everyone, JT here, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Once a Raider, Always a Raider. Today on episode four of the show, we are thrilled to welcome in the man himself, the subject of our first three episodes, the Hall of Famer, Tom Flores. During our all-encompassing conversation, we cover a variety of topics with Coach Flores, ranging from his experience in Canton, his journey to finally being enshrined in the Hall of Fame, the unyielding support he received from Raider Nation, and his relationship with the Davis family. This is a conversation that has been years in the making, and we're very pleased for you to listen to it now. Once a Raider, always a Raider, episode number four. In this episode, we get to talk to the man of the hour, the man of the month, the man of the year, Tom Flores. Coach, thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you about Canton, the whole experience behind the Hall of Fame. But I wanted to start off with asking you, when did you first hear of the Hall of Fame as a young player? When was the first time you remember hearing Hall of Fame talk as a player and there was even a Hall of Fame? You know, that's a good question because I'm trying to think back. I, I, I'm trying to think about that and probably not till I was uh, in the pros. Right. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. Now. They didn't make it a big thing. And plus, they didn't have TV. Let me put it this way. TV didn't cover sports like they do now. Now, every little thing. And uh, now it's a, become a big thing. But the Hall of Fame was just, uh, Hall of Fame was just, uh, didn't start till the early 60s. I think. Right. Yeah. So I was already in the pros. So when you were a young player playing quarterback, mm-hmm. we look at the history of your career and we go back to the AFL, what do you think was the biggest moment for you to stay in the league, the biggest make-or-break moment, and the biggest moment that propelled you to be a confident player and turn out to be a very good player? Well, I think the, my passion, my, my love for the game. Uh, I, I was a quarterback. I was uh, you know, supposed to be the leader, so I enjoyed that part of it. And I had always been kind of the leader of the pack in a quiet way. Uh, growing up, we, even when we played in the, on the streets, I never said a lot. I never yelled a lot, but I, but I, I was able to direct. What was your happiest moment in a game? The most memorable moment you had in your career as a quarterback? As a quarterback, probably as a. Um, well, one of my, one of them was uh, against Houston back in the early '60s. In the old AFL, when I played against uh, Lambda, Georgia was the quarterback, and I threw six touchdowns, he threw five, and we won 52-49. to 49. What a game. <laughs> it was a, a wild game. The, the field goal kicker, Mike Mercer, came in and kicked the field goal. He was the hero. That was, uh, that was the most prolific game of my uh, career. One of the, the happiest days was when I was a backup quarterback back with the Chiefs and we won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl four. Nothing like that when you win a Super Bowl. So when you were getting close to retirement or thinking about retiring, 
Were you always thinking about the next transition to be a coach? Was that what you were going to do next? No, I wasn't. I really wasn't because, um, you know, I didn't plan on coaching. I didn't prepare for it. I was preparing to be a teacher, a coach at that level, high school, junior mm -hmm. college maybe, but uh, not not so soon. I didn't want to, I wasn't ready to retire, but uh, unfortunately for me, uh, nobody wanted me. So at that point in my life, uh, my, my career was over and I didn't anticipate going into the pros that quickly, but I did when I had um, a, ch a chance to go to Buffalo. So the opportunity to coach, what was the first conversation like with Mr. Davis? The earliest conversations with your friends, such as Paul McGuire, people in your life that you said, this is my next chapter, I'm going to go do this. Well, when I was, uh, Al and I always got along pretty well. And when I left the Raiders, uh, he said, you know, when, when you're done or whatever happens, he said, there'll always be a spot here for you. Well, when I got cut, uh, I called him and he said, well, I don't have anything right now. I said, well, yeah, he said, I, I just can't manufacture something. I can't fire somebody just to hire you. So that was, uh, then I got a chance to go to Buffalo, so I, I took it. It was just a one-year agreement. And uh, when that agreement was over, uh, I came back to California, and right about that time, there was an opening with the Raiders and the coaches staff. So I called him again, and Al set up uh, a uh, an interview with Madden with John, and I was hired. And then after about one year, I said, "Wow, this is really not what I thought." It was, I mean, it was it was nothing like being a player. Being a player was a fun. I mean, you played, exhausted. You practiced. You got exhausted. You went home, relaxed. You never left the job when you were a coach. Uh, it went. You went home and went home with you. And I said, I don't know if I want to do this the rest of my life. And then I, and then I said, well, if I'm going to do this the rest of my life, I don't want to be an assistant the rest of my life. So I uh, prepared myself in that way. So I'm going to learn everything I can. So I did. I listened to everything on both sides of the ball. Listened to everything on, in the meetings and uh, things that were decisions that were being made by the management, et cetera, et cetera. So I've never asked you this. We've chronicled your Hall of Fame career as a coach. How long had you waited for enshrinement into the Hall of Fame? From the first time you thought about being eligible and this started to happen, how long was that wait? Well, whenever I, when I qualified, I didn't qualify until I was out. As a player, I didn't qualify right away because I wasn't voted uh, in as a player. As a retired coach, uh, you had to wait 25 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time to wait. Players only have to wait five years. Uh, and I can see why, because coaches, you know, you don't have to be a young guy to coach you, but you have to have a you know, pretty good long career. So I didn't think about it until, uh, until I was out of the game, about 25, or getting close to 25 years. And some of my peers were going in as a coach, and then, I, and then uh, all of a sudden I started making the lists of finalists. Mm -hmm but never got the knock on, well, they didn't have the knock on the door then. <laughs> that was created later. That was created later. I want to ask you about some of the times you were nominated and didn't get in. Were they all different feelings? Was one more memorable than the other, unfortunate than the other, where there was a high and low time in your life when you were waiting? Yes and no. There were some times that were uh, where I, I had to see who I was going against 
and uh, realized that I had no chance. And, but more or less, I was pretty optimistic that I was going to hopefully uh, get to that final, you know, the final vote. And when, uh, but I was never, ma I never made the final vote until right at the end there, about right. three years ago. So you get the knock from David Baker and Mark Davis. Walk me through that. I watched that video again today, and I've seen it, and a lot of the Raider fans and a lot of people around the world have seen it. Going back at that time, you, you heard the knock, you waited. Pick it up from there when you started to make your way to the front door. Well, I, I was over, I was uh, sitting at the computer, and somebody knocked at the door, and uh, Barb went to the door, and, and then she came back, and she was a little shaken, and, and she said, it's for you. I said, well, who is it? She, it's for you. And I said, oh. So I, I walked over to the, uh, started walking to the front door, and then I saw, there I saw David Baker at the entry, and it's pretty hard to miss him. And uh, I said, oh, I'll be damned. What I find amazing is you must have envisioned what the knock was going to be like in a hotel yeah. at the Super yeah. Bowl. So that's why it must have been yeah. that big of a surprise. It's nothing like you envisioned. Not, not my house in, in Palm Springs. You know, <laughs> David Baker was all over the country that, that uh, telling people you know, they had made it. And so I said, oh, I'll be damned. This, must, this is it. Because why would he be here? And then I saw Mark Davis. And I said, wow. So, I mean, I was, I was actually speechless. It was a great moment. Uh, before we get to Canton, I wonder how quick it was for you to start thinking about your speech when Mark and Mr. Baker left. How long did you go back into the house with your wife and say, well, we got to start preparing at some point. Uh, the speech, the trip, yeah. when did that sink in? No, I didn't think about that. I mean, that was not, a, that was not even an issue then. Uh, the, what I started thinking about is, you know, when... Well, when can I announce this? Because this was on a Sunday, and I couldn't say anything until the following Saturday. Uh, this is a Sunday at late afternoon. So I said, how am I going to keep this a secret for six days? You know, and, and I couldn't even tell the kids. That, that, was, that was tough. That was tough to do. <laughs> so then I quietly started thinking, okay, now what do I, get, what do I have to do? I didn't even start thinking about the, the speech itself. I had heard the speeches, so I knew what had to be done and what had to be said. I knew what I wasn't going to do. I was not going to be up there for 25 minutes just rambling. I, I knew that you know, I knew there was going to be a limit. I didn't know what the limit was, but I knew that uh, my character is not long, long-winded speeches. It is not, and you were perfect for that speech. So let's talk about the experience at Canton, the Hall of Famers welcoming you to the club. Ray Nitschke, luncheon, all of that. You've heard about that because your players were in that luncheon. You've mm -hmm. heard these stories off the record about it. What was it like to be in that luncheon? Well, then all of a sudden, you, know, you wonder, what goes on? They, they, nobody talked about it that much, about what goes on. They said, oh, we just talk. And that was it. You, you guys get in a room and they start talking. And uh, one story leads to another, and there's always some lead guys like Bobby Bell who's mm -hmm. always throw some comedy into it uh, with his personality. And then there was uh, always some stoic and serious-minded uh, people. And, and then there, maybe there are even a few controversial uh, people that talk because uh, the, the hall accepts controversial people ex as well, you know, if they deserve to be in because of their play. So um, 
you know, I started thinking about that. You know, there's a lot of things you think about. How about this and how about that? And then you start thinking, I said, what do I do for gifts? Uh, and then I said, who do I have introduced me? That was probably the, the thing I thought about the most right there because had Al still been alive, Al Davis, mm -hmm. I, he would have been the one. Uh, he wasn't, so now what do I do? So I had, I never, I never told them, but it was, it, 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 I was down to two of Jim Plunkett and Paul McGuire. And then one afternoon I'm sitting there thinking, I said, well, which one's gonna be? And, and um, all of a sudden it, it came to me. I, I, was, I yelled over at Barb, she was over sitting on the other side of the room. I said, what do you think of Carol Davis? And she said, what? How about Carol Davis? And she introduced me. And she said, well, that's, that's, that'll be great. I said, why'd you ask her? So I started talking, I, I called up Cheryl Nichols, who mm -hmm. knows Mrs. Davis very well, and Mark Davis. She said, let me run it by Mark. She thought it was a great idea. And so he, she ran it by Mark, and, and he thought it was a great idea. That's an incredible story because so many fans were thinking, who's Coach Flores going to pick? Is it going to be Jim Plunkett or Paul yeah. McGuire? Yeah. And that's a tribute to those two gentlemen who you think so highly yeah. of. And then you choose Mrs. Davis, and her speech was fantastic. Oh, and yes. I thought being there and sitting out in the crowd, when everybody saw that, it gained everybody's attention so quickly, and everyone understood the magnitude of that decision yeah. for you. Yeah, it was, it was uh, I, th I thought it was one of the highlights of my, my acceptance. Uh, you know, and, I, and I didn't see it until that day. I didn't see any preview of it at all. Mm -hmm. I was really anxious and nervous to see and watch uh, and listen to what she had and how they were going to present it. And they did a marvelous job with it. And I said, this would be perfect for her because she, she doesn't have to be on the stage. She didn't have to be there because of her, her, her incapacity to move around. Mm -hmm. But uh, she will be there in her presence, and, uh, and she was. She did a great job. That is fabulous. Let's get, go back to the gold jacket ceremony when you had the opportunity and you put the gold jacket on. What did that sight line look to you? Who were you looking at? When did that really hit you when you put the jacket on? Whenever any, anything like that happens on stage and, and uh, my family's off stage, I always look at them. So I looked uh, down at my kids and my daughter and my boys' sons and my grandsons and granddaughters and, and then uh, a few friends down there up front. Mm -hmm. I couldn't walk down uh, the, the the platform because uh, of my 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 condition right now with the uh, the back. So I had to have a different uh, reaction, different version to the uh, the the gold jacket presentation. But it was still the same. And when the commissioner and uh, and Baker, you know, put that jacket on. All of a sudden, your body feels like it lights up and starts to glow, and you you have a different feeling altogether. So the speech, you go early. There's second, I believe. Mm -hmm. There's seven. Charles is on the back end. Uh, your speech was fantastic when you were done and you sat down, and you knew Peyton Manning was coming up mm -hmm. and Charles. Was there a sense of relief that your speech was over? You did such a great job. Mm -hmm. Now you can enjoy the ceremony. What yeah. was going through your mind? No, it was. It was a sense of relief. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I tell people I, I do not even remember finishing my speech. 
I think I zoned out so much, so much. I don't remember finishing my speech. I remember looking down at where my family and friends were, and there were a lot of tears going. I said, I'm not going to look down there anymore because I'll start crying. And if I start crying, I'll, I'll never get through this speech. So I uh, kind of zoned out, and in zoning out, I don't, don't really even recall the final uh, statement or two that I, that I said. I had lived a little bit on the Sanger bit, my fans from Sanger, when I mentioned Sanger, all this yeah. emotion went up and cheering. I said, wow, Sanger people here. I didn't expect that many people from Sanger to be there. Nobody even knows where Sanger is. Now, well, maybe now they do. And how far it is and how long it took you to get in. Yeah. I thought that was a great line yeah. that brought levity to everyone there. Uh, as we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you about the unveiling of your bust by Mark Davis there, seeing it for the first time in that football stadium. That had to be something. Yeah, that was. I was anxious to see that. Of course, we, we weren't allowed to see it. Uh, I, I saw renderings of it. Uh, the, the artist sent them to me on, on an email, stages of it as it was being developed, uh, but never the final. I was, I was uh, pleasantly pleased. I mean, it was, they, 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 they nailed it. I even got the little hump in my nose uh, with all the broken noses I had. They gave me back some of my hair that I lost and, <laughs> and, and more. Yeah. So the whole thing was just uh, almost surreal. Uh, and uh, to think that that bus will be there 100 years from now amongst the very few that have ever played this game. It's a tremendous legacy. We talked about Mr. Davis when we began this, to think that he inducted more Hall of Famers than anyone in the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you're there with Mark now. His son, Mrs. Davis, gives you the induction speech. What was it like being around Mark for all the festivities, from the parade to the dinners to the party and all that? Talk about Mark that weekend. Well, Mark was great. He was upbeat for the whole time, uh, social with everybody. and. And he is uh, he has uh, taken this whole position uh, in support of the alumni. Uh, he has taken it 100 percent. He and I rode together in the parade, and he had more fun than anybody. Just, <laughs> just look at that! Well, look, look at all the fans! I said, hey, they love us here. This is Pittsburgh territory, but they honor us because we were one of their biggest opponents. We had some great games against them, and. Uh, Cleveland Territory, even though uh, the Red Bright 88, did they mm -hmm. remember that? I heard that yell from coming from the street. And it was just, a, uh, the, the parade was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. I was kind of looking, I said, man, do I really have to go to the parade? And it was long, and I was suffering from a, I am suffering from a bad back, so I was a little reluctant to do so, but I did it, I'm glad I did now, because it was just great. I think the perfect way to end this is the party. It was a high honor of my life mm. for you to let me emcee your party. And when we were talking about it with Cheryl Nichols and everyone behind the scenes, we knew how many gold jackets were going to be there. Then how many gold jackets would just show up when come like Warren Moon walked in, a bunch of other mm. gentlemen. But there were a couple of speeches. We only have a few more moments. But Marcus's speech oh, boy. will stay with me forever because a lot of people in the media don't know Marcus well. Marcus doesn't do a lot with the media. And when he came there and I gave him the microphone, 
that was one of the most humble and important speeches I think ever made about you or any other coach. What was it like when you heard those words? Well, I was I was in awe because uh, you know, I didn't expect, you know, I expected a few people to say a few words, you know, but I didn't know what to expect from Marcus, but he, he volunteered immediately. And uh, his words were, were riveting, his emotion, uh, his sincerity. I mean, all of the, everything that could have possibly been positive came from that speech. And I was overwhelmed, thrilled, and, and very honored and proud. His speech all the way, and then there was Paul McGuire's speech, which was just goofy, which he is. He's a goofy guy. <laughs> and, and then my wife, Barbara, uh, hers is so dear. So uh, it was a great night, wasn't it? It was a great yeah, night. I'm I think glad you could celebrate with us. I could, and to see your grandkids yeah. and your kids to be there and celebrate was fantastic. Uh, the Raider Nation was there. They've been with you your whole life, but they were there in Canton. I know you went to a couple of private events. You went to a big event with Raider fans. What was it like throughout the entire weekend seeing the silver and black and the fans out in the crowd? Well, I knew that the nation would be there. The nation travels well. They support their guys well. And having been a, a Raider from day one, of, I, th I thought that would go over well. And they were there. They were there in spirit. They were there in, in force. They were there in, in, in strength. And they were loud. <laughs> they were. In fact, the party that I, I, I was supposed to have a family dinner on Saturday night, which was the only night that I had off. And it was a family dinner and, and close friends, but all of a sudden the rest of the restaurant was filled up with Raider fans, Raider Nation. And uh, the, my driver, on the way home, he said, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> I said, what? I said, I, I've never seen that kind of fans. Those fans were incredible. I said, I had to call my wife and tell her about it. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's the nation. They, they travel well and they support, their, they support each other. Well, it's going to be really difficult to ever top Canton. But lastly, the party that they threw for you at Allegiant Stadium mm. was one of the most spectacular surprise parties I've ever seen. It was spectacular. Fans will find out more about it down the road. But the fact that they kept you in the dark about it, and then you saw Boy. all of these moments of your life, let's wrap it up with that. What an experience, Coach. Oh, man. It was, uh, you know, I kept asking. I said, well, how about a list? Who, who all's going to be there? Who, some of the players? <laughs> or we'll get you the list. We'll get you. Well, the list was, well, the kids, and then my sons, they had to include my kids, my, uh, my uh, Mark, Scott, and Kim, my daughter, because they had to be part of the secret. They had to keep, and they would not, they said, well, you'll find out. You'll see. You'll see. And finally, uh, Shannon, at the end, I said to Shannon, and she said, you'll see. And it was a smile, and I tell you, it was pretty good. Once a Raider, always a Raider, the pure example of that. Coach, thanks for doing this. A genuine thank you to Coach Flores for joining us on the show today. And thank you to all who have listened, reviewed, shared, and supported the first four episodes of the podcast. I'm JT, and we'll see you next time on Once a Raider, Always a Raider. Thank you for listening to Once a Raider, Always a Raider. Make sure to download the official mobile app and visit Raiders.com history for more historical content.